Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I went for a long period of time with the word integrity written over my front door. So it was the last thing I saw every time I walked out. And it's a bit of a rudder for me. As long as I've got integrity, then that's fine. That is actor Ditch Davey. And this is episode 239 of the Osher Ginsberg podcast. And welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg, and I'm so glad you're here wherever you're listening, around the world, around Australia, around the suburbs. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the show. This is episode 239 of the show with Australian actor Ditch Davey, who is online. You can find him on Twitter. He's Ditch Davey, D-A-V-E-Y, all one word, or on Instagram. I am Ditch Davey, D-I-T-C-H-D-A-V-E-Y. More about Ditch in a moment. His new series is called Harrow. You can watch it on ABC iView. Uh, or the catch-up platform of your choice. Uh, right now, more about Ditch in, a, in a just a second. If you're new, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm Osha Ginsberg. This is my podcast. I'm a TV host uh, from Australia. I've hosted many things in my time. Uh, live music TV request shows back in the days before YouTube. Uh, I did seven seasons of Australian Idol. I did a show on CBS called Live to Dance. I now host The Bachelor in Australia and all the permutations and combinations of combinations of The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, The Bachelor of Paradise, Bachelor of the Kitchen, uh, working on that one. Uh, yeah. But when I'm not counting roses on the telly, I do this podcast each and every Monday. Have done it for the last 238 Mondays in a row, which is a couple of years if you do the mathematics. This podcast is a conversation that you get to be a part of. It's a conversation designed 
to hopefully help make today a little better than it was yesterday. That's it. Sometimes this conversation will be with somebody that you know and you see a name and you go, I'll download that. Sometimes it'll be someone that you don't know. But I'm very careful about who I have on this show. And so I am firmly believing that I have a guarantee here on this show that no matter what, no matter who it is that you and I are having a conversation with, you'll hear something that you need to hear today. Something that'll make you tilt your head to one side and go, huh, I never thought about it like that. Hmm, I could probably do a bit of that. I could incorporate a bit of that into my life. Yeah. Just a little something to make today a bit better than yesterday. That is what I'm here to do. And a big, big, big thanks this week to everyone on the Facebook group, which I started only a few weeks ago. We're at about 500 people now. Welcome the Osher Gisberg Facebook group. There is a, uh, excuse me, a podcast Facebook group, sorry. There's a link in my Instagram bio if you want to find it. Um, I put up a post last week, asked the question, did you move your body to help your mind today? And I just threw up my workout that I did, and everyone started posting pictures of their workouts, photos of bushwalks, screenshots of like a Strava ride or a, like a Garmin fitness tracker or like a photo from what they were looking at at the top of a peak somewhere. Uh, brilliant. People just going for a wander with their kids. So great. So, so great. All kinds of things. But all all of these workouts were taking place with the intention of working out not to look better naked, but working out to make your brain work better. And that, for me, the last couple of months, I've been talking a bit on this show about my journey living off meds. I've been off meds for about five months now. And that is the motivation for my current fitness discipline. And it's honestly, it's way more motivating than it used to be, which was, oh, I've got to work out because I'm a fat piece of shit. All right. So that's, that's kind of what it was in the old days of when I, when I wanted to work out. But it did get me thinking this week. I was toying around with the idea of reframing some automatic negative thinking that's been creeping back in my head a little because uh, I have a different brain and old habits die hard when I'm tired, when I'm under a bit of stress, I'm on book deadlines at the moment. I can slip back into looking at things through a negative lens a bit. So I try and make sure I keep a few tricks up my sleeve to help me get my thinking right. And you'd be surprised how, for example, how quickly you can change your entire universe by changing one vowel. This is what I did this week. So let me just take that last thing I told you. I have got to work out this morning. Change the O to an E. See what happens. I get to work out this morning. Yeah? Let's try another one. I've got to go pick up my kid from school. I get to go pick up my kid from school. What it does with me is it it changes, work out, working out changes from being motivated by, I don't know, kind of like a shameful obligation or self-loathing, at least in my case, and it's replaced by a motivation of, of gratitude and positive action to help myself. I get to work out. I get the chance to care for myself. I get to spend the time investing in making sure that my number one most valuable asset, this spacesuit that my brain travels around in, is the best that it can be. And while doing that, releasing all kinds of hormones and endorphins into my body that makes that brain feel a whole lot better. And the same goes for picking up my kid. I get to pick her up. I get to be there for her. Other kids have to take the bus. Other kids have to walk. Don't see their family until late at night. I get to show up. I get to be there for her. I get to show her that she can rely on me as her stepfather to be there when I say I'll be there. It's a simple reframe. 
it changes so much. I've got to do the groceries. I get to do the groceries. I get to select food that will nourish me and my family and power us through this week with the best fuel we can put inside ourselves that we can do the best for each other and those around us. I know it sounds a bit flowery, but sometimes I've actually got to push that much positivity back at the negative thought to kind of, ne- I guess, what's the word? Neutralize it. Does that resonate? Does that, that, you understand what, what, I'm, what I'm doing? There? I, I wondered if, if you might find it useful. If not, that's fine. If you do, that's fine. Send me an email. Send us your email at gmail.com. What do you do to keep from the negative goggles slipping over your eyes? Yeah, I just, sometimes I just change that vowel. I got to, to, I get to. Yeah, changes a lot. Changes a lot for me. But I'd love to know what your thoughts are. Send us your email at gmail.com. A big thank you to everybody that got in touch through the week. Thank you so much to the people that pre-ordered the book. You can order the book right now through the link on my Instagram. Uh, you can get the audio book or you can get the, uh, the hard copy at a discount if you order it now. The book's out in about eight weeks. Um, but if you order it right now and you email me the invoice, send us your email at gmail.com. If you email me the invoice, I will shoot you something special to say thank you. Big thank you to all the podsies this week. What's a podsy? A podsy is a picture of what you're looking at right now. You're probably listening to this on a phone. So open the camera app on that phone right now. Pull it out your pocket. Open that camera app on the phone. Take a photo of what you're looking at. Whatever you're looking at while you're listening to this podcast, because podcasts are something you listen to while you do stuff, right? Whatever you're looking at, and then send it to me. You can send it to me on Instagram DM, or you can email me, send us your email at gmail.com. Mate, this podcast, we, you and me, have been around the world this week. We've been to Western Mongolia. We've been to London. We've been to uh, the top of King's Park in Perth. Uh, we've been, where else did we go this week? Oh, we, oh yeah, we went to Honduras. Honduras. How good is that? Uh, we've been doing dishes in suburban Melbourne. We've been, you know, again, I, I love it how many times I get photos of people just driving their kids around the block trying to get them to go to sleep. We've been doing that. We've been helping kids go to sleep. It's a great, great thing. Uh, so, yeah, please keep them coming in as a killer. Thanks so much. I love it. So let me tell you about our guest. Our guest? Yeah, our guest, because this show is you and me and a guest, right? You're here every week. I'm here every week as the guest that changes. So our guest. Let me tell you about our guest today. Ditch Davey is an incredibly successful Australian actor and producer who first rose to prominence on the TV show Blue Healers in Australia, which is seen all around the world. He's since gone on to appear in countless films and TV shows, notably Spartacus, Black Box, and most recently in Australia, the TV show Harrow, which you can watch on ABC iView. You can see it on the phone you're listening to this on right now, on a laptop, on your Apple TV, on your Chromecast, on whatever smart TV you have on a uh, you know, on your on-demand viewing platform, iView, the ABC one. Harrow is the show. Ditch is a remarkable man with a brilliant outlook on life, and I'm so grateful that he took the time to talk with us. He is a man who's pursued a career in a seasonal industry, one that subjects you to the terrifying and constant judgment of who you are as a human. But that is what it, being an actor is sometimes, Right. Ditch has incredible coping strategies in place to help him deal with the ups and downs of what it is to be a working actor. And I can't thank him enough for taking the time to share so deeply not only why he does what he does, but indeed how he deals with the cycles of work in his career. Because you might never step on stage, you might never step in front of the camera, but I guarantee that there's times in your life when then there is work and then there is not work, all right? And we've all been there. I've been there. You've been there. Some of you might be there right now. 
So I guarantee that you'll listen to this and you'll hear a few ways that Ditch deals with life that you'll be able to incorporate, maybe help you get through things a little better. He's a wonderful man, warm-hearted man. We caught up on Skype from his home in Melbourne. I'm very grateful that you're okay with me doing more Skype interviews because uh, it allows me to get uh, more guests on, particularly when things are busy in in Sydney with shooting um, telly on my end. So it it does allow me to get more guests on um, and more... It's just easier, and I'm, I'm grateful that you don't mind that there's a few glitches in the conversation, but you understand. We've all had Skype calls. So he and I talked in Melbourne a few weeks back, and I'm grateful that he had the time to do this because it's a really inspirational conversation. I certainly got out a lot out of it, and I hope you do too. If this chat does tick boxes for you, do not hesitate to let him know. He's on Instagram at I am Ditch Davey. He's also on Twitter, just Ditch Davey on Twitter. Enjoy this chat in Melbourne with a very rugged up because it was cold. Ditch Davy. Hey, good to see you, man. And you. How do you do, Ditch? I'm pretty good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm grateful that we can catch up today. It's it's good to have you on the podcast, man. Where in the yeah, where in the world where in the world do we find you? Uh, back in Melbourne. I just got back from uh, a bit of a Europe uh, trip uh, a couple of days ago. So, so back in uh, back in Melbourne, that's the coat. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, we are catching up over Skype because uh, I wanted to talk to you for a little while, but uh, trying to find a time where we're in the same place at the same time has been a little, a little, a little tricky. But I'm grateful that we we can talk over uh, over Skype. Um, are, are you originally originally from Melbourne? Is that your thing? No, mate, I'm from Sydney. I'm a Northern Beaches boy. I uh, grew up in Fridges Forest over there in the Northern Beaches and uh, uh, surfed freshy and and uh, curly when I was a little nipper. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm from up that way, but um, I've travelled around quite a bit since then, yeah. you know, I'm uh, moved over to over to Perth. I, I did a stint over, uh, over at Whopper over there and, and then um, – Found myself uh, Melbourne bound when uh, Healers came up. Right. So you were well. I'm guessing then you and I share something in common that we both stood up on a surfboard for the first time at Freshwater. Is that right? Yeah. Which, uh, I, I'm going to guess mine was probably 27 years of age later than yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was. Um, well, I was a nipper there, so I started. I started going down to Freshy Beach uh, when I was, I guess, about five or six, and right. uh, and then started surfing a little a little bit later than that. But uh, yeah, for folks so who are, I, people people listen to this all over the world, can you describe what nippers are, please? Because that's a weird word anyway. But can you describe what nippers are and what the culture around that is in Australia? Because it's a pretty special thing. It is a special thing, and it's a it's a great it's a great culture, and um, so it's a junior surf life saving. So it gets the gets the kids um, out of the house and doing um, uh, beach events, almost like a um, like a junior Ironman, I guess. You know, with but it's a it's a, a weekend activity that. Uh, uh, that gets the kids all all around the area and down to the beach, and uh, you've got uh, sand events, you've got uh, water events, and it's just a it's just a great culture, great culture to be in. But uh, you know, you get your you wear your little bungee smugglers and your uh, 
and your little surf life-saving hat with your with your colours on it, and uh, it's a it's a great morning. Yeah. And very early on, though, teaching kids uh, awareness in the surf, which is something that, as Australians, I think many people who grew up anywhere near, you know, with an hour's drive of the beach, often take for granted. And if you've just been through Europe, you de- definitely understand. You know, someone seeing surf, seeing you know, not flat water, can be completely freaked out. But if you're five, being you know shown and guided and chaperoned around a around a marker boy that it's okay to swim out past where you can't touch and here's how to read the waves here's how to read the rips it's extraordinary an extraordinary gift you can give to a kid to go through life like that absolutely i i thoroughly agree with you yeah that was i mean the education um i mean it's it's all based around fun and and um and exercise but to have that um to have the education there, to be able to read, as you say, the, the rip currents, the um, the waves, understand what's safe and what's not, and obviously all the flag signals. I mean, we're for those people that uh, that aren't surrounded by water like uh, like we are, um, it's an incredible kind of um, gift that, and and something that we have. We also have to. Um, I mean, we've got to take care of each other, and and that's a way to enjoy the surf and enjoy the ocean. But um, but be safe doing it. Yeah. Did you uh, were you the kind of young man where surfing became a priority versus schoolwork, or was it always a balance for you? Uh, there was moments. There was moments where uh, <laughs> where the uh, the bus down to the beach was was more inviting than uh, the school bell. Uh, but. Um, you know, it was a, it was a great thing. I was never really too full on into it. I mean, I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed uh, my mates that I went surfing with. But um, but it was never never anything that kind of took over. You know, it was yeah. it, I think I I mean there was there was sometimes I I just enjoyed sort of paddling out the back and and just laying on the board and having a a daydream, you know, and catch a wave here and there. And but I, I just really enjoyed sort of clearing my head, and I think it was really good for me. in, uh, in my early teens, you know, the the camaraderie and the, um, you know, the competition as well. You know, with uh, with everyone out the back and who can get the best wave. And obviously, there was a little bit of uh, you know push and shove with that, and a bit of ribbing and. So it was good. Yeah, it was it was good for the time, but you know, um that that time went I um which was a kind of a uh, it was a real point in my life, you know, because surfing was a real part of it. Uh and I was balancing that out with um with schoolwork obviously and, and uh and the theatre. And um I got into a bit of a uh, a nasty fight when I was about 16 uh, down at one of the beaches and and, uh, and it was a bit of a gang kind of thing and and it just took it, it took me um, it, it gave me a, a, a point to reflect on and, and I realised how important it was to other people and it really wasn't to me and and uh, that was my that was the point in which I I gave up surfing and and focused solely on the theatre, which is um, you know which has given me this wonderful life that I've got. Yeah. So so yeah. Was it just one of those silly territorial? It was my wave. I was next kind of things. Uh, 
No, it was, unfortunately, it was a little bit more serious than that. It was, you know, out at night and um, I got uh, I got stopped by about nine guys and a baseball bat and, uh, and it, yeah, it, it's something that still, the injuries still affect me today. But, oh, um, really? Yeah, it was, it was, it was one of those really defining moments of my life, you know, and, and so there's not, there's not too many weeks that go by that I don't think about it, but I'm, as I said, because it was so defining, it gave me that, that point where I could reflect and think, well, you know, is this a culture that, that I'm willing to fight for? And, and, Although I loved the beach a lot, you know, I had a lot of mates around there and the theatre was somewhere that I, I felt mm. that I felt safe, you know, I felt um, safe to to be myself and also to explore being other people and, and that was really where my, that's that is really where I sat in the whole thing. So yeah. it, although, although it was a, a, a pretty serious incident, it, it gave me um, it gave me what I have now, and and that is a, a life in the creative arts and and um, and the theatre and all the friends that I've got. I must have been. Um, it sounds it sounds like it was you know a, a very traumatic experience. It must have been difficult for your parents to deal with that. It was. It was, and I. You know, and it's um, it's funny. It, 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 my my mother sat on my bed um, that night when I finally got home from the from the hospital and the police station and all of that stuff. And um, it was about I don't know about four or five in the morning, and and I was just pumping with adrenaline and and I just I couldn't move. I was I had broken bones and a lot of um, and yeah, I mean, it was traumatic and everything. And my mum sat with me and um, because obviously um, she didn't want me to go to sleep because of concussion and all of that stuff. And um, and she said to me, and I never I never really understood it at the time, but she said, you know, I'm, I'm proud of you and I think that, um, you know, I can, I can trust you now. And I didn't really get it. And... Because she said, well, you know, you can obviously, you can handle yourself and you came home alive. And and I thought, well, it's fine, you know, at the time. But in the recent history, when you hear about some of, some of these, you know, coward punches and seeing these, these young men um, and some of them dying uh, from it, I just realised how lucky I, I kind of was in that in that um, that time, because there, as I said, there was a baseball bat involved, and and it was um, it was something that just shouldn't have happened. But I'm very grateful that that it didn't end all there, you know, mm-hmm. at, at 16. So um, yeah, so I, that that and that's what I mean. Like in terms of, um, I didn't really understand what she what she meant by. Um, you know, she's proud that you know she was proud of me, and that that she trusted me that I I would always come home. So, yeah. uh, so it was a, as I said, it was a very defining moment in my life, and um, 
but it's given me so much. So yeah. there's there's a, a, two things I want to want to ask you about. So number one, um, that in your early teens you recognised the benefits of having the emotional regulation of just paddling out in the back and just sitting there. You know, mm. that's such an important thing to recognise as a as a person. And I'm at the risk of sounding like a grey bearded, curmudgeonly old man that I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, 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 wonder, <laughs> I wonder if that, you know, I'm feeling a bit shit. I'm, everything's a bit weird. I'll grab the surfboard. I'll go down, paddle out the back and just sit there versus I'm feeling a bit shit. I'm feeling a bit weird. Where's my phone? Let me send some Snapchat streaks. You know, not having that as a way to emotionally regulate, like searching for the dopamine hit in your hand versus... I'm going to go do something physical with friends, salt water, sun, sky, air, you know, yeah. nature. You know, you're, you're very lucky to have found that. Look, I, I absolutely, I agree with you. I, um, I mean, it's a really hard one to, to work out because, it, you know, I do remember, you know, growing up and, um, you know, hearing my parents talk about how things were, were better when they were younger or all of that stuff. And I vowed to myself, and unfortunately for me and for everyone around me, I've got a really bloody good memory. And so I, I still think about all of that and think, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I've got a 15-year-old and a, and a seven-year-old, uh, two boys, and I don't want to be that guy, but there is certainly sort of truth to that, you know. I mean, we used to, you're right, we used to, we used to paddle out and, you know, have a, have a bitch moan about, uh, about what the parents were, were saying to you or what you're in trouble for this week or school or, you know, you, the girls that, uh, you know, you fancied or um, that didn't fancy your back, all of that stuff. You know, you actually got, just got to, you had a little, little, network it wasn't a big network but it was a little important network you know it wasn't reaching out to your, your closest 10,000 friends and uh, it was it was sitting there with two or three mates yeah and then then saying it's cool man you know and and uh, and so it was it <laughs> The grey is coming through on my beard as well, so, and I'm thinking it's it was simpler. There was something, there was something lovely about it. There was something yeah. so, um, yeah. It, it, the door, the door didn't shut. The door, the you know, the bedroom door didn't shut. You always had your mates there, and they were knocking on the door, making sure that you were okay. And so it was, yes. It was a it was a great thing for me. Yeah. You mentioned that the theatre was already a fairly prominent thing in your life. How did that How did that begin? I mean, I only ask this because I'm I'm writing a I'm writing a memoir at the moment, and hmm. I was talking about you know. You're too young for a memoir. Mate. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, it's the halftime memoir. It's the halftime memoir. It's a halftime report. That's what it is. Um, and I was remembering, you know, the feeling that I had the first time I stood on stage and how that, you know, as a kid, 
kind of set me up for just chasing that. And I'm wondering if, if you had a similar experience, if that's what you, you got from it. Yeah. Uh, well, it kind of came out, um, the way it started was kind of odd to me. It still is fairly odd. Um, my, I, I was terribly shy when I was growing up. Uh, wouldn't talk to anyone. Um, when the teacher called my name in class, I burst into tears and, you know, it was, it was almost, um, debilitating. You know, I just, I couldn't, I found, I found my personality and my, my voice on the soccer field and the football field, but anywhere else I was, I was not, I just wasn't, I couldn't communicate with people. And, um, my sister was involved in this youth theatre group that did um, musical theatre, and uh, and she loved it, you know. And she said to me one day, "I think I think you should go and do it." And I just thought that it was the most bizarre thing I've ever heard in my life. I thought, "Why? Why on earth would I do that? That's that's like that's my worst nightmare." And she kept going at me and she said, if I get one of your mates to go with you, will you go? And I thought, all right. And she did. And so I did. And, and that was the start of the relationship that I have with the theater. What was the show? It was, it was a spoof on, uh, Superman. Cause it was, it was called man of steel written by Ian Dorricott. He was my old music teacher. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We've got a connection. There you go. <laughs> and it was, and it, it was the start of something that that I just totally didn't expect. And I think back to it, the, the, to that guy. I remember I could, I could see in my mind where I was when I had that conversation with my sister, and it had such a huge impact, obviously. And and I was the least likely in my family and everyone really that that uh that knew me to go into it and and i was the only one in my family that continued and uh and i've, I've enjoyed it and it's given me so much and, yeah. and hopefully given back in in this you know some some way was there someone in your in your life obviously once that production was over and you're like okay that's it done was there someone in your life that encouraged you to to go around again or was there someone in your life that went you know what did she you got something here no it was it was pure it was the thrill it was it was like i guess you know it's the gambling thing it's the the addiction there was something i felt like i'd been walked out to face a firing squad and i came out alive and i thought i'll be willing to chance that again because that the the thrill of that just to get on i thought that was that was something i really enjoyed that and those people were different and I didn't know what it was about them. And maybe it was just because I was, you know, I was uh, 11. And I hadn't seen these people before. I'd gone to school with certain, 
certain people and you know meeting new people but it was it was just something that that really you know it just it just changed me it ignited something and i thought i i'm not even and at that stage i wasn't good at anything i mean i you know i was pretty good on the football field but the, but in terms of theatrically it really you know i mean i could i could barely talk then you know so uh I was still shy, but I, geez, I loved it. And I just did, you know, and that's why I thought, I just want to hang around these people and see if some of it rubs off. There's really something about theatre people and, and being, I, I, you know, so I think about my own experience, Ditch, in that, you know, there's certainly, music, you know, teenage musical theatre productions, you know, it's like the movie, it's the high school musical, you're backstage. Yeah. I, went to a, I went to a school that had only boys and the only time we got to hang out with girls was backstage at the theatre. I was like, yeah, all the other guys at, all the other guys at school were giving me shit. I'm like, you're spending your afternoons with your head rammed between two other guys' asses in a rugby scrum. I'm spending my afternoons squished between theatre flats trying to get from one side of backstage to the other with the Hot All Hallows girls. I think yeah. I'm okay, bud. You, you go do your thing with the sports ball. I'm over yeah. here. <laughs> and it was my first, you well, know. it's it true. Yeah, it is. It's and really it, true. Yeah. And it's, for me, I guess it was also my first experience of oh, like, be, being a part of a, a project, like a bigger project outside of school where, you know, there was this thing that we were all working on together and there was a set way to make it all work. And if we all worked together, then it came across really well. And like all those things and everyone having it, because I started a stage crew and then I kind of found my way on the stage, you know. I really enjoyed that. I really yeah. enjoyed Ah, oh, and exactly what you're saying. Oh, these people, these are my people. Oh, this is good. I like yeah. this. Yeah. Well, that, that's right. There was something about that for me. I mean, I didn't even care what I did. There was, um, you know, I was on stage for, um, for a lot of the productions we did. We did two productions a year. And uh, and then there was other other times I was uh, building sets. I uh, I ran the makeup department for for two shows. It was just something that I just thought this. It's so this is, just fits me in a, in such a weird way. And I mean, I remember um, I remember inviting my my mates, my surfing mates, and and uh, soccer mates to come and to come to the show and see it. And there was, you know, I remember there was, you know, the old Jaffers getting thrown and um, all of that stuff. But I still, I felt bulletproof because there was something, there was a truth there that it didn't matter about the ribbing. It didn't matter about um, any exterior noise. I just felt, I felt like I belonged to, in there somehow, and I wasn't quite sure how, but I, I certainly wanted to keep it going, you know. You you auditioned and you got in and you relocated to attend WAPA, which is uh, the yeah. West Australian Performing Arts Academy, I think. there's a, I can't remember. Um, yeah. But it's, it's one of our country's you know, f premier training facilities up there with NIDA. Uh, it's on the West Coast, has an extraordinary alumni. People uh, listening... You know, they probably accept that, you know, they wouldn't want to go to an accountant unless the accountant's uh, gone to university, got a CPA, had some training. You know, they wouldn't want to go to a physiotherapist unless the physio's been to university, had some training. Sure. As far as, like, this person that I'm watching on the screen, what, they they learned, they trained to do that? Can you can you maybe talk a bit about what 
you know, what happens at the at university. I mean, obviously, you're sitting around late at night in berets, you know, drinking red wine, talking about, you know, Chekhov's gun, obviously. But, you know... What there you... was heaps of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, as it was as self-indulgent as you could imagine, but that's the point, you know, that's the whole point. The, I remember... Um, People are describing to me, they said, you know, they said, look, what they do is they strip you back, break you apart, and then rebuild you. And I had no real idea about what that was. And then I got there and realised that, um, I mean, in my first movement class, we all we had to do was stand still. That's all we had to do. And within five minutes i'd fallen over and i had i didn't know that that's something that i didn't realize about myself i was very athletic i could do things at at speed but i couldn't i couldn't be still i couldn't be grounded i couldn't be me and so it there's a lot of technique and a lot of as as I said, it's, you know, it sounds very self-indulgent and, you know, the, the amount of, uh, the amount of ribbing I got from, uh, my family and friends when I came back, uh, was, you know, I mean, it was a tidal waiver, but, but I absolutely loved it. I just thought it was great. And, and, uh, you know, we, we were taught how to, to use our voice and, and breath, um, in a more in a more elastic way, it's all about getting a, getting rid of the the blockages that you have as a as a person, the baggage you have, all the things that sort of get you to a certain point. You have to you have to be able to have some kind of elasticity and flexibility within, and you know in your exterior, but certainly within emotionally and to be able to go to different characters rather than bring those characters to you. You've got to be able to, to go to a character and, and characters that you don't necessarily understand, characters that are different to you and you have to create more of a vessel rather than, um, rather than the the big personality that you are you've got to you've got to create that that open and cavernous part in you to be able to access different emotions mm -hmm. and let the character into you and and uh and all the preconceived ideas and judgments those things have they're encouraged to just go to the background for a little while, you know, so you can give everything to your character. And I mean, cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The way my personal philosophy is that I've been given I get given opportunities a lot, you know, throughout my entire career of being been given these opportunities to give life to a character. What I'm given is a bunch of dots on a page. That's all I'm given. And it's my job and it's my gift to be able to give give those people the best lives that they can possibly have. And so to be courageous, to be hurt, to be, oh, you know, in, in, in some, some aspects, unbelievably ghastly. And, but that, if that's them, if whatever political views that they have, whatever social views that they have, that's theirs, not mine. But so that's, yeah, that's the gift. And that's what, uh, that's what training encourages you to do. And like anything, you know, if you go to the gym, you know, uh, for a week, every six months, you're not really going to see much change. But if you're going to the gym every day and every day and backing it up when you're sick and backing it up when you're injured and you're, uh, emotionally tired, physically drained, but you still have to back up every day. It's a um, it's a muscle that that that's important. You've, that's what we that's what we need in in uh, in certainly the industry that we've got because it it can be so um, so hard and there, there can be weeks and months without work. But when the work comes, you got to go. Sounds like and, that that breaking down process um you know we all go through life every one of us goes through life almost learning how to oh yeah that stuff happened to me when i was a kid i'm a grown-up now i don't have to deal with that um and yet as someone who's starting to inhabit a character or give life to a character as you spoke those things that we all carry with us may start getting in the way of you bringing that character authentically so i'm guessing that well i'm just i'm gonna ask like that's right. Is, is it a point where you're like, oh, shit, in order to do this, I'm going to have to go and figure out that shy kid. I'm going to have to go and figure out yeah. the post-traumatic stress that happened after my attack. I'm going to have to go through all that shit. I can't That's right. Just, I can't just drink it away or Xbox it away or you know distract myself through no. my adult life. I'm going to have to sort this out because otherwise I'm not going to be able to do my job. Well, that's right. That's right. So, And, and it's, it's at that point where you start to think, okay, what's, what's more important? Is it more important to wear the badge of the past? Is that important to me? Or is, is it important to be able to take that badge off and forge forward and conquer those life goals that you have and those, um, you know, that, so that and the badges that we all wear, you know, we, we hold on to them and we say, well, that's, that's my identity. I'm nothing without those experiences. But you are, and it's a brave, 
brave thing to do and it can be terrifying because when you when you don't have the things that you think make you you've got nothing and then to rebuild from that is um it, it can be it can be very traumatic and uh to do it in a safe environment um is uh, is a real gift and you know i i think back those times at uh, drama school was i mean it was again it was unbelievably life-changing for me it sounds like whether or not you pursued a career outside of drama school, if you never got a role after that, if you, you know, I don't know, you open up a, a Vodafone franchise in a strip mall and like you never look back. It sounds like that <laughs> that experience served you uh, and gave you a gift yeah. to go through life without that stuff. You're absolutely right. And that's why I guess the, I never really had, I mean, I had my own, my own goals and my own aspirations and dreams and everything like that. But the, the whole idea of it, just what, what I got out of it, I could then, I could then be a part of the world. I could be closer to the person that I wanted to be. I mean, in my, in my first, couple of months of drama school, my voice teacher, a brilliant woman, eccentric woman by the name of Caroline No. And if uh, if she's still out there, she's in, she's English, and if she's still in England, uh, you know, big shout out to her. But I remember taking me aside after class once, and she was she'd been giving everyone these um, you know speeches to learn you know, Moliere, Shakespeare, you know, big speeches. And she took me aside and she said, there's something that I need to talk to you about. I think you need to go and um, listen to some BBC recordings, some um, child books, some book and tape things. And I said, why? And she said, because I can't, I don't think you can read. And I said, no, well, I mean, I can read. And she said, I don't think you can. And it would it completely change my life. And because I, and I realized that I couldn't because I, I mean, I could to a point, but I was, I was slightly dyslexic, but no one had ever, um, uh, it, it, no teacher had ever picked up on it. It would just—it was just something that you know I was lazy or whatever, you know. And so it, it was something that I just kind of got by. And when she picked that up, and she gave me some tools to go back to when I was six to listen to those books and to read—I think it was Aladdin that I was the book that I got. And to read along with that and to gain confidence with that and the way someone else acts and, and reads dialogue, it was just all this blockage and, um, and pain that I had and judgment on reading and books had just sort of dissipated and then I gained my confidence and, again, going back to it, whether I got another role again is kind of irrelevant. What it did 
was give me so much more. It gave me, it gave me confidence and gave me uh, normality. And I, um, and I'm forever grateful to her for that. You've had, um, and you mentioned it. You've mentioned it twice. So I, I do want to ask about it. You've, you've had an incredible career. You've, you've had. Uh, season regulars on on many many television shows which for actors is you know that's the holy grail it's like oh i'm going to come back and back and back and back particularly yeah, yeah. particularly on a procedural and a procedural is the show that you don't think they're going to figure out how, who done it and then there's an ad break and then they figure it out and brilliant we'll see you next thursday at 8 30. um you know, so that that's that's the kind of stuff that you can go to your bank manager and go i'm going to buy a house i'm going to start a family we're going to be safe sure. so you, you mentioned that there's times in an actor's life when there's nothing that comes by for weeks and sometimes months. Now, people listening might not all be actors. In fact, I'm pretty sure very, very few of them are. But everyone's everyone's had that moment. Everyone's had that time of like, oh, crikey, what do I do? What do I do now? What would you say is the thing that gets you through those those times? Uh, that's, a, that's an interesting question because I, I don't, really no i think the first the first thing is just getting out of bed because that there can be a there can be a, the times and i you know I, i've gone through those times and i'm sure you have as well and and many of the listeners have that that you know you feel like well if i just if i don't get out of bed nothing bad can happen you know, <laughs> at least I'm stemming the flow. But to just to get out of bed and to keep going, to keep to keep jabbing, to to get back in the ring, is um, is so much a part of it for me. Um, to find different ways to to. I mean, I have enormous faith and I don't even know why that I I feel like everything will be okay you know as long as as long as I'm you know I'm honest um I've got you know I went for a long period of time with the word integrity written over my the, my front door so it was the last thing I saw every time I walked out and it's a kind of it's a it's a bit of a rudder for me. As long as as long as I've got integrity, then that's fine because I know that I'm going to go through dry patches, and I know that I'm going to go through some good patches as well. But it doesn't define me as long as I am true and honest with with the way I am and the the life that I that I have and with the people that are in it, I think, um, you know, there's swings and roundabouts and you've just got to ride it out, you know, and sometimes it can be, they can be long periods of time. I mean, I, after, after healers, I, I went for almost a year and, um, and that can be, that's really tough, you know, and there was some, some big moments within that year, but then it, and then you get back on it. Something happens in the world. Something happens in you. You, you have the time to realise things about you. You have time to grow. Um, I've always said that the 
that the down times are as important as the times when you are working because quite often if you're working 12 to 14 hours a day, you don't really have time to sort of understand the world. You don't, you don't have that time to grow. But if, as soon as you're on holiday for a couple of weeks, suddenly things make sense and you grow that little bit extra. So the, the downtimes are as important. And I know that we as human beings that we like to, to dismiss the downtimes, but it is the balance. That's the balance in life. You know, if you, if, if that's as important as the work time, then you're getting you're getting something out of both of them. You're not dismissing a whole section of your life, and um, so that for me is you know is is I guess what gets me through. Yeah. When you're in those uh, those down times, uh, those times in between jobs when there's really nothing happening on the horizon. What are the things that are within your locus of control that you like to do to maintain that feeling of this is going to be okay, I can control this and I can control this? I can control getting out of bed. I can control the relationship with my family and my friends and I can control the way I view the world. I can't control the way other people view the world or the, the, way the, the way other people view me. I can't control that. But what I can control is, the, is my outlook, you know, and if, I'm, if I am honest, you know, to my nearest and dearest and say, look, I'm, I am doing it tough at the moment. I'm here, but I'm doing it tough. It's not, I'm not trying to, um, you know, kind of smile my way through it. I guess like I used to when I was a kid. It was always the, the, the grin was, you know, just plastered on there. Um, but it was more, it's more honesty. You know, if, if, I can, if I can take ownership of the good times and the bad times, then they're just passing. So that's what I can, that's what I can control. Man, that's that's really valuable to hear that. And and having you said that, there's there's people who are listening. They're going to get a lot out of that because you've you've lived it. You've been through like, okay, honey. Well, um, this is how much money we've got left, and we don't quite know what's gonna. Mm. Bing. Hang on one second. Can you film me? I've got to read this thing. Next thing that's you know, right. I'm on a plane. Thirty six hours later. I'm in a trailer bigger than my house, and someone's going, Ditch, can I get you a bottle of water? No, it's not cold enough. Someone's going, Ditch, a bottle of water. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, that's exactly right. It's, it, 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 and life does happen like that. It literally does. You know, I mean, there was uh, in one, one instance when I was, I was in LA and we were, it was a it was a trip that we that I said look I said to my wife look I've got to make this trip we've, we've you know and and uh, she said well funds aren't great we've got young family she wasn't working at the time I said it's I think it's very important that I do this and so I went over for four weeks thought it was it was pretty good on the 
night before I left, it was five o'clock in the afternoon, I got a phone call saying, you've just been cast as the lead in a, um, an ABC uh, America show called Black Box. It's filming in New York. And I said, right, well, I'm just about to get on a plane. And, and my agent said, no, you're not. And so the next phone call I made was to tell my wife to pack up the house and bring the kids and meet me in New York. And so it really does and can turn on a dime. And I mean, that's just one instance that, that that's happened. So it's, it's so peculiar and it does, it's a lifestyle that doesn't really suit a lot of people. But I think, I think that it's, that those kind of things, it's not necessarily just for the entertainment industry. That's for, things can flip all the time in life. And, uh, and it, as long as you're still hanging on to the branch, you're, uh, you're in the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it. I love it. And uh, it's incredible to hear you, you know, to say that because I've, I've I've had I've had the same phone call and and you know you really do you you go you know on a Thursday you're like oh shit well this, okay well, what am I gonna gonna do now and then on a Tuesday you're sitting in a mo you know a motorhome that is just you know <laughs> bigger than most apartments I've ever lived in and you know there's someone sitting there with a sewing machine just in case any of my shirts need altering and they're paid all day to be there just for me. Yeah, and that that's that exactly it. And that's the absurdity of it. And then when you when you finish that job, you know, you, you shouldn't, I know it's very hard, but you shouldn't really feel like there's going to be a seamstress in your house when you get there. You know, you, it's very easy to get used to that lifestyle, but yeah. you, when you, to keep your, your feet on the ground, you always got to know where you come from, and and uh, and when you've got a family waiting for you at home, uh, that's it's a really grounding uh, experience, you know. So you don't, you can, you know, your head gets to the clouds, but it doesn't really go through it that often. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's yeah, because that stuff goes away in the same same phone call can take that stuff away. That's right. Absolutely. You, you, you've had you've had plenty of shows get cancelled, you know. Oh look, I've I've been uh, I've killed a lot of shows. <laughs> I, I, I feel like uh, I feel like I'm your go-to guy. If you want to get rid of a show, you're the get cooler. Me on there. <laughs> <laughs> the cooler, that's right. That's right. I've been uh, I've been the downfall of, a, of of many productions. <laughs> Bloody hell! But but that's the you know this is the this is the like they said in Godfather Part Two when Hyman Roth says to Michael Corleone, "This is the business we have chosen." Um, they said that you know it's one of my favourite film quotes. Sure, he's talking talking about murder, but still, it's, it's a fantastic quote. <laughs> that can apply to a lot of things. <laughs> um, but look, I'm grateful that you're able to share that as well because, like I said, not everyone listening is going to be an actor, but everyone can relate to the seasonal nature of work, particularly if you're strike, trying to strike out with something on your own or, or, or certainly, you know, if you're the other person in a relationship, if your wife's like, no, nah, I've, I've got to go do this, and, you know, and you're like, okay, well, if you believe in it, hun, off you go. You know, you've got to, you know, to, to understand and, I'm, you know, I'm not going to take words out of your mouth, but I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, without the support of, 
of your family and without you know the people close to you, the, the life that you both get to have is you know not able to happen. That's exactly right. Yeah. So you you absolutely need that. I mean, there was times when I was younger uh, where. I quite honestly didn't have uh, that support, and but what what I knew was different to what everyone else knew, and so there was something that was bulletproof within me, and I said, "I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to gamble this because I because I believe in it," and the people that that fell away came back, so it's. It's a if you, if you're if it's something that you believe in in whichever way you talk about you know entrepreneurs or um, you know uh, small business owners or in whichever whichever field if you've got if you've got something there that you think no 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 I can do this I can do this without all the support because that I'm I'm bulletproof in in that truth then then you will succeed in whichever way you just will. I love it, it- man. <laughs> I love it. It went, um, I, I lived, I lived in America for, for a long time and, um, I watched those close to me go in and out of, you know, uh, a horrible, horrible psychological trauma that comes around once a year called pilot season. And, yes. um, I did notice in my time there that men went from you need to be able to do all the emotional stuff that we've talked about earlier in this conversation. You need to be able to cry 12 times in a row from seven different camera angles at four in the morning and then wait 40 minutes while we change the lights and then do it again because we're running the clock and the union guys are going to walk. And you've got to be fucking ripped. You know, like yeah. it went from not being able to do that to, oh, now, by the way, you're going to need to put 10 kilos of muscle on and can you do it within three months? Like, did you notice yeah. that started to turn up in, in a, like a job requirement for you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, I mean, it wasn't, I guess I was lucky in some respects. So I, I, you know, I, I, most of my jobs have been fairly active. But um, but I do remember, you know, once I once I got cast on uh, Spartacus, the um, US series, I uh, I realised that was a that was a job requirement, and uh, and I'd never really had to change things up as much as I did on that show, and um, and then I realised what sort of really what sort of caliber everyone was kind of going into and. Um, and I've never really been that guy. Yes, I go to the gym and yes, I, um, you know, try and stay, stay fit and all of that stuff, but I'm, I'm not really that guy. So it's a, it's something that I do have to work hard at. And there's sometimes where, sure, you know, I, I might've had, uh, you know, one too many, one too many beers, or uh, you know, um, enjoyed the, the food a little bit too much and start to get soft around the middle. But yes, you, I think you, you know, I, I've certainly noticed that I've had to change things up, and particularly with the American market. Um, you know, I, 
I got a phone call from from the producers uh, one of the shows that I was in says you know and they said you got to start hitting the treadmill because this could this could go in another way for you so it's a very um, yeah it, it's a, that's it's a, a tough very phone real... call that's a tough phone call to get you hear you know you hear about women being told that it's like oh this is great you're gonna have to lose 10 kilos if you want to come anywhere near this job that's yeah. that's, a, that's a tough phone call to get for anyone that's right but if that's the job requirement that's the job requirement and um you know uh, and i've always said to anyone who has a you know has a beef with what we do you know no one's got a gun to our head um we're doing this because we want to do it and so if if i ever feel like someone does have a gun to my head i'm out but i i never feel like that i feel like I've always got a choice in the matter. I've always got, um, as I say, my integrity, and I can I can be guided in ways. I get told what to say. I get told what to wear. I get told what you know where to stand. But I have freedom within that to have, to put my spin on it, and people hire me for that. So um, so I never feel like I'm restricted in any way i feel like i've got guidelines and I go, okay well that's all right we push we push the envelope in one area oh okay right well we're not going down that route we're going more down this so i see where you all right and so we you know and in that way we all get a product that we're proud of and, it's, it's, um, it's, it's wild listening to you speak like that you know talking about having to make that uh, you know, distinction was like there's me ditch, and then there's ditch the product. There's like as if I was in a supermarket, and this is the thing that people see on the shelf that they're going to buy or not buy. How am yeah. I going to take care of the packaging? How am I going to take care of the presentation? How am I going to take care of the flavors? Well, it took me a long time to realize that that was actually a thing, you know. And uh, but when I did, I, I, and it was America that did it. You know, um, because I really just didn't—I just didn't understand that that was even a part of it. You know, I thought, well, I've, could, I've just got whatever's going on in my mind and in my heart and in my gut, and I can—I can be that. But the the rapper has got to sell it to some extent as well. You know, and uh, and it is important. It's it's. And it's, it shows the way you carry yourself and, and uh, the way other people view you and whether, whether you get the next job or not, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's care. And if you've got care, then, you know, people, people are attracted to that. When you were, you know, when you are getting into shape or, or staying in shape for, say, like a Rolex Spartacus, it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to have my shirt off. It's going to be slow motion fight scenes. There's nowhere to hide. I've got to go for this one. I'm going to have to do it. Did you notice, uh, like, any added benefits from holding, like, mentally from ho having that physical discipline and, and doing that kind of physical work in the gym? Yeah. I, again, <laughs> weirdly enough, what the benefits that I got from it were um, community-based. And the gym was always somewhere that I was judgmental of, I was scared of. Uh, 
for a number of reasons, but it was to be a part of something and to demystify that and to, to invest in that and the, the community then got around you. And, and you mentioned Spartacus, that, that was that community there. When they, when they saw you putting in, man, they just got around you. There was so much support from, the, um, from that particular department. We, it just made us all feel like kings. It made everyone feel like they were Spartacus. It's like, fuck yeah, no, I can do this, you know. And you felt like you were a warrior. You felt like you were a killer. You felt like you are going to take these motherfuckers down, you know, and that's, and that was a part of you get into that, you can portray your character. You can, you can, you don't have to, you don't have to shout. You don't have to. Have, it comes from the guts. It comes from. It comes from so much. Um, I don't know. I guess judgment or pain or whatever it is. But it comes from the depths of you when you when you rise to the top of a mountain or you take down a ten Romans. You're like, I've conquered something, and that came from the community that I found um, when I found the gym and, and I and I love that and I think that family and community is so important to me and I and I look for that in in whatever I do in, in my private life and in, in work wise. You mentioned you're you're the dad to one, you know, a teenage boy and a soon to be teenage boy. When you look at them and you look at the way they they see the world, do you you know, do you go, Yeah, yeah, he's gonna be all right or do you go, or you know, how how do you how do you handle it? I mean, I've got, you know, a fourteen and a half year old stepdaughter and some days I'm like, Man, kid, you're you're amazing. <laughs> you know, what am I even doing here? You don't need me, you've got this. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely, and I think the the hardest thing and the biggest lesson for us was to learn to let them guide you because there's a, you know with the with trust and you know we create an environment where the kids are you know happy and safe and they can um, they can talk around the dinner table and and get things off their chest and whatever it is, you know, that I've that I feel judged and that's important for us. But yeah, there's I mean there's times where it is scary. There's things that pop up that you think, I never I never felt like this I've never it wasn't it wasn't a part of my life, so I don't know how to deal with it in someone else's life. So it's a it's incredibly foreign, and in those instances, you've really got to step up. But I think, on the on the whole, they've got it, and they've got they're dealing with their own stuff. And you know, you mentioned social media uh, earlier on, and that's a huge potential issue. I mean, I know that it's how everyone communicates now, but you with dialogue with and, you know, having these things on, you know, your ears not painted on. If they're, if you're listening and 
<laughs> if you're listening and, and you give the kids the time, and I think, you know, the, the most important thing for us is, you know, sitting around the dining room table every night. You know, we don't sit in front of the TV. Everyone sits here and, and we talk and we get ideas out and we laugh or not or, you know, we vent our frustrations, we do whatever, but it's communicating and it's being, it's a special thing that we have together. So that's the only thing that really keeps us kind of solidified in terms of like grounded, I mean, you know, because it, it I don't know whether that answers your question. Maybe I just went off on a bit of a tangent. No, there, no, but- that absolutely answers my question, man, because the the thing that you see and my, the way I'm, you know, see what you've just told me, the thing that you see where, yeah, kid, you're going to be okay, all that can happen because there is that foundation that you and your family have built for those kids yeah. so they can kind of hold one hand touching the wall and then kind of reach out and knowing that oh, yeah. it's there, it's there. One day they'll take their hand off the wall and then, you know, you're yeah. sitting at home going, oh, fuck, it's over. You know? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But that's how it's supposed to work. That's exactly how it's supposed to be. That's so – and if it's not like that, I mean, you, you haven't done your job as a parent. You're not going to you're not gonna have well-adjusted people enter the – the world and be able to to work or communicate with people, you know, live with other people, whatever, you know, they're not going to be able to do that. So it's important that they be able to do that. I mean, my seven-year-old, you talk about, you know, holding the hand and, uh, you know, one hand on the wall, he's like, gone. He's like, I've got this, Dad. And that he said that to me on his first day of school. He was four. He's like, Dad, you don't have to walk me in. I was like, no, 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 settle down. <laughs> I'm your dad and you're four. So he's like, but I got this. So he's, you know, so we've got to, we've got to try and keep him back on the wall a bit. But, uh, and it's one, you know, they, as I said, they guide you and, and, uh, and it's really, it's a thrill to watch, isn't it? Mate, um, you are, as someone like, uh, as someone who's, you know, lead roles on primetime American television shows and primetime, you know, massive Netflix shows and stuff like that, you are in the, you know, as an actor, surely you recognize you're in the top, top, top percent of people that, you know, are operating in the industry. And that kind of career is 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 quite rare to come by. And you've obviously worked very hard to keep it. However, the stuff in this conversation that you, we've talked about, particularly around your family, particularly around how you deal with adversity and, and lean times and stuff, that stuff is... Man, that's everybody. And I'm just so grateful that you've been able to share this with, with me today. I really am. Because oh, I really, well, you know, you I, I needed to hear a lot of what you said to me today. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. I'm I'm part of a, how do I put this? I'm part of a super secret club of sober people. Uh, <laughs> okay. yeah. Doesn't and, sound um, super secret to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's super secret. <laughs> Uh, there is a, there's an acronym in the, there's it's an acronym and there's alliteration in the name but that's all I'm going to go for. Um, but okay. if if I don't feel like turning up one day, the guy that mentors me through it, he goes, just fucking go because you'll hear something you need to hear no matter what. Just go because you'll hear something you need to hear. And I know for sure, man. Like in this last hour of my life, I've heard a bunch of stuff from you that's really really helpful. So thank, mate. And I'm sure a lot of people get a lot out of this. So I can't thank you enough for taking the time today, did you? Oh, mate, thank you very much for having me. This has been great. It's been great chatting with you. Bloody Riffa, have a beautiful time in Melbourne. 
Thank you, mate. And wherever you are, I think you were in. Uh, you were, what are you? Sid Vegas. Oh yeah, we're in, we're in uh, we're in beautiful Bronte, which is uh, <laughs> yeah home of the eighteen dollar smoothie. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you enjoy your one smoothie a week there. <laughs> it's pretty much no. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got, I've, we've insourced. <laughs> we don't outsource that smoothies too much here. <laughs> All right, buddy. Have a fantastic day. Thanks for taking the time, man. Good on you, mate. Pleasure to talk to you. That was Ditch Davey. You can find him on Instagram. Uh, he is I am Ditch Davey, I-A-M-D-I-T-C-H-D-A-V-E-Y, or on Twitter, D-I-T-C-H-D-A-V-E-Y on Twitter. Uh, a big thank you to everybody that helped me make the show today. Thank you to my new producer, Rachel Barrett, Haley Montspania, who helped me make this show, Andy Ma, my audio producer, Anamitra Roy, who made all the videos this week, Toe Hyder, who made the music. Uh, thank you to everybody that helped me pay those people that I just mentioned, patreon.com slash Osher, a podcast to free to listen to. They're not free to make. So if you enjoyed this show, please consider throwing a couple of bucks towards the show, patreon.com slash Osher, a buck a month would be incredible. It helps me pay Rachel, Andy, and Animatrix. So thank you so, so much. If you need me through the week, send us your email at gmail.com or find us in the Facebook group. It'd be great to see you there. There's some great conversations, great support. Yeah, it's really good. I'm really grateful what's happening there on the Facebook group. It's bloody good. All right, I'm going to go downstairs and swing some kettlebells around because it's morning time and uh, morning means lifting stuff because lifting stuff helps my head feel good. <laughs> lifting stuff helps my head feel good. <laughs> it does, though. <laughs> All right. I love you for listening. Have a cracking week. Until we speak next time, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.